This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, August 6th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, woman dies from fall on Via Ferrata. County seeks regional approach to homelessness. Local concerts look to make classical music more accessible. And a mountain weather forecast. A 53-year-old Tucson woman died on Thursday after a fall on the Via Ferrata in Telluride. Anissa Laverne Larson was visiting Telluride with a friend. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Larson and her friend were having an amazing day, commenting on how perfect their vacation was. Susan Lilly, public information officer for the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, says deputies received a call regarding the incident around 11.30 a.m. Reporting party said he couldn't see any movement. A SAR mission was immediately launched, and the hope was that we could send a hasty team up and medical could attend to this patient, but um, when responders arrived within an hour, it was clear that this woman had suffered from fatal injuries and nothing could be done. Responders hiked approximately 700 vertical feet to the scene and used a technical rope system to lower the body. Search and Rescue, Telluride Fire Protection District EMS and Fire, and sheriff deputies were dispatched. Over 30 people assisted in the recovery mission. Larson's friend was uninjured and brought down by first responders. The San Miguel County Sheriff's Office says Larson appears to have slipped while on the climb and fell roughly 200 feet. Lily says the incident took place just east of the main event. There was nothing inherent about that specific area that we think led to a fall, but the route in general, the the entire Via Ferrata, is a hazardous route. She notes Larson and her friend were not traveling as part of a guided group. However, they did have the proper equipment to complete the climb. She adds there wasn't a witness directly to what occurred. There were a couple of people in the area and one witness who talked about hearing something that alarmed him enough to turn and look, and he saw a part of the incident, but nothing that would really give us an exact explanation of what happened. Larson is survived by her mother, Cheryl, her siblings, Earl, Carlton, Steve, Jay, Carla, and Lori, her three sons, Cameron, Keenan, and Kyle, and her husband, Ted. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Larson's death is the first on the Via Ferrata, the result of a fall or traumatic injury. In 2018, a man died the result of a heart attack while climbing the route. The Via Ferrata sits on U.S. Forest Service land. Forest officials were not available for comment on whether the incident will impact management of the Via Ferrata. San Miguel County is turning its attention to homelessness. Speaking at a Board of County Commissioners meeting this week, County Social Services Director Carol Friedrich notes this season the county has seen a larger number of older residents experiencing homelessness. Probably because of COVID, other impacts on just all of our lives, um, they find themselves in a situation where they don't have secure housing anymore. Um, And so they are homeless and kind of making do as best they can. 
In terms of housing assistance, Friedrich notes the county has mainly relied on motels in Norwood. They've housed folks up to a year um, in their facilities. Typically, they charge less than what people make on Social Security. But she says that doesn't always work for everyone. In that case, the county refers them to shelters throughout the region. There are shelters in Durango, um, Montrose, Delta, and Grand Junction. County Manager Mike Bordonia notes the county does not currently have the ability to create a shelter in the Telluride area. I think it's going to be dependent on a regional cooperation where we can support um, and work with our surrounding counties, um, knowing that a lot of these folks are also moving amongst our areas uh, for services and needs. In the spirit of building out that regional approach, this week the BOCC began conversations around homelessness with Region 10, a nonprofit supporting counties in southwest Colorado. Eva Vedich is the Region 10 Community Living Services Director. She says there are a lot of funding opportunities right now to address homelessness with COVID relief money and potentially money from national opioid settlements. This is a good time to, to start talking about it collectively and see if we can come up with some regional solutions. No specific proposal was on the table at this week's discussion, but the commissioners agree it would be good to have more firm data around the issue and how members of San Miguel County are using utilizing regional resources. Fittich agreed to gather more data for the commissioners. They plan to revisit the discussion on regional assistance for those experiencing homelessness at their August 25th meeting. In the mood for something a little more classical, this weekend, KOTO's Matt Hoish has more on Telluride's latest musical happening. Sydney Denman was surrounded by classical music from an early age, not the least because her father was a concert pianist. He practiced the piano all the time and often uh, while I was uh, asleep. It was a musical family. Denman eventually took up the violin and has carried music with her ever since. She's a violin player and teacher, as well as the founder and director of the Telluride Camerata and has played with many other regional groups. This weekend, Denman is setting off on another musical journey in the mountains, this time in an effort to change up the classical music scene. A lot of classical concerts, let's face it, are old people watching other old people. It's lovely. It's a, it's a situation, I'm a, a culture I'm comfortable with, but it doesn't attract the young people. Denman's answer to that challenge is Telluride Classical, a series of events bringing young classical musicians to the Telluride stage. This weekend's inaugural festivities will feature three concerts on Saturday and Sunday, highlighting both local and not as local talent. Denman is bringing in several young players from the Jacobs School of Music in Indiana to play a concert Saturday night at the Sheridan Opera House. We're going to hear a Grieg sonata. It's the third sonata in C minor, which is uh, well known as the most charismatic of Grieg's sonatas. Uh, it's got a hugely heroic theme at the beginning. Um, that's going to be played by Abigail Coe. Uh, there's a Schumann sonata, also a 
uh, a major work played by Elson Coe. And then Cooper Olson is going to play the Pablo de Sarasate Carmen fantasy, which is known as an extremely virtuosic and fun piece, a major Spanish flavor. It's based on themes from the opera Carmen. There will be several added elements to expand the music's accessibility, including a pre-concert talk to demystify concert etiquette and program notes in English and Spanish explaining the featured music and its history, as well as ideas about how to listen to it. Classical music is complex, and they're often through an entire piece. There'll be different movements, and there are many, many it's not only emotions that are portrayed, um, but that's that's one of the most palpable things to identify. And so we're we're publishing a, a list of about a hundred emotions that the audience can think about um, in terms of what are we hearing exactly. And there isn't a right answer, but sometimes it's a conversation, and sometimes it's different characters. There will also be a master class on Saturday afternoon at the Opera House, open to the public, featuring regional violinists and violists. And on Sunday, visiting performers will come together with local artists, including the Telluride Camerata, for a kids' concert on the Opera House patio featuring Vivaldi's Summer, followed by Ice Cream. The Sunday concert is sponsored by the Telluride Chamber Music Festival. Through the Telluride Classical events, Denman hopes to give classical music new energy. Something special comes, she notes, when young musicians perform these centuries-old pieces. It's raw, it's enthusiastic, it's energetic, and it's so obviously relevant when you see a young person portraying this music for us. Denman plans to have other concerts in the coming months and hopes Telluride Classical grows into a destination for young performers far and wide. As far as this weekend's concerts... Denman hopes people come out, listen, and respond. I've had a a few people say that they've never been to a concert like this and that they're very excited. And actually, I think that was more they've never, you know, just been invited, personally invited. And that's, I'd like to invite everyone personally. The Telluride Classical Concerts will take place this weekend. The Saturday Afternoon Masterclass and Sunday Kids Show are free. Tickets for the Saturday Evening Concert are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. tiny-ish warehouse, tiny movies, why not a tiny film series? The Telluride Arts District, in collaboration with Mountain Film, will be hosting a night of film at the Transfer Warehouse, celebrating short films from the Mountain Film Archive. According to Mountain Film, the night will feature a collection of culturally rich, adventure-packed, and incredibly inspiring short films. The event will feature a letter to Congress, Why Not Now, Vivian Stansel, Zion Summer, From Refugee to American Boy, Denali, All In, Alaska Heli Skiing, R.J. Ripper, The Magic of Chess, Stumped, La Lagunsta, and A New View of the Moon. The tiny film series will take place Wednesday, August 11th. Doors open at 6.30 p.m., music starts at 7 p.m., and the films will kick off at 8.30. The event is free and open to the community. Applications for Mountain Village's Winter Plaza vending is open. Each winter, 
and summer, a number of food vendors dot the plaza in the village core. According to Mountain Village, it's the perfect opportunity for vendors to, quote, test family recipes, incubate their business idea, or showcase wares to the community. Winter vending runs from October 15th to May 14th, and vendors are required to operate for a minimum of five days a week with four hours per day. Vending applications for the winter season are due by Wednesday, September 1st. Applications are available at townofmountainvillage.com. The results of the longest-running study of tree mortality in Colorado were published earlier this year in the Journal of Ecology. KGNU's Hanalee Myers spoke with the study's lead author, Robert Andrus, a postdoctoral researcher at Washington State University, about what the findings show us about climate change's impact on subalpine forests in the Rocky Mountains. So what our research is showing is that rates of tree mortality are increasing in Colorado subalpine forests, and this is in areas that uh, don't have obvious disturbances like fire and bark beetle outbreaks. So what we showed was that higher rates of tree mortality are related to warmer and drier summer conditions. And so what we sort of expect from this is that, you know, continued climate warming will continue to increase uh, tree mortality throughout subalpine forests. Okay, so you looked at the causes of tree deaths in areas not notably impacted by beetle outbreaks or fire. Got it. So give us a better idea of how significant an increase you found in tree deaths caused by drought and heat in those areas that weren't notably impacted by those other factors? In those types of forests, mortality is generally pretty low. So maybe, you know, 0.5 to 2% per year. And what we're showing is that there was a three times increase in mortality in these forests from a time period in, in the 80s and early 90s to a more recent time period to, from 2008 to 2019. So what we found in this study was that 70% of the trees were had no evidence uh, of other causes of death than drought and, and temperature-related evidence. So, uh, and then 23% of the trees that we sampled, they had evidence of bark beetle damage. So they've been attacked by bark beetles. So in many of Colorado's forests, bark beetles, you know, are, are there fairly continuously, and they attack and kill the more weakened trees. And then occasionally, you know, when climate conditions align with, uh, you know, the right types of trees and the right sizes of trees, then we can have these really broad scale outbreaks of, of bark beetle. The other important point here is that often many, there are many factors that uh, cause tree death. So you might have warmer and drier conditions that stress the trees out and make them more susceptible to bark beetles. Or you may just have a situation where warmer and drier conditions decrease the soil moisture to the point where trees don't have enough moisture to maintain their physiological processes and they die just as a result of, of climate. In this study, our goal is not to show that, you know, bark beetle outbreaks or fire are not having an important effect. They're most definitely having a very important effect. And those, those disturbances are driven by warmer and drier conditions as well. What our point in this study is, is that you know, outside of those areas affected by those disturbances, we're also showing really important effects of warmer and drier conditions on, on forests as well. So in those forests where people walk around and they say, oh, there's a dead tree and there's one more, and they walk another half a mile and they say, oh, there's a dead tree, we're saying that, you know, that mortality is related to climate. Um, so our goal is not to, like, try to one-up the papers that have looked at disturbance, of which, you know, I've written some. And a lot of my colleagues have also written a lot of great papers. Those are, you know, we're not trying to like say that this is more important. We're, our point is that 
this is that that mortality in those areas not affected by disturbances is also uh, affected by climate. So what varieties of trees are most impacted by heat and drought? Yeah, so what we found was that subalpine fir was the most common uh, tree species to die, and it died at the highest rates. Um, In a lot of our stands, subalpine fir died much more frequently than Engelman spruce. We also included a bunch of uh, stands that that had limber pine and lodgepole pine as well. So we generally found that the pine species were less susceptible to drought and warmer conditions than Engelman spruce. What areas in Colorado have notable concentrations of those heat and drought susceptible species? Yeah, so Engelman spruce and subalpine fir forests cover roughly 10,000 square miles in, in Colorado. And of that 10,000 square miles, you know, some of the area also includes limber pine and, and lodgepole pine, which were included in this study. So the highest elevation forest in Colorado are subalpine forests. Uh, or those are the areas where people often go hiking if they're going up into the alpine or they go skiing. Um, so they, they are all over the, the state of Colorado uh, and up into southern Wyoming and northern part of New Mexico. Uh, so people have, have likely, you know, walked through Engelman spruce and subalpine fir forest in Colorado. And, you know, this study was done in the Colorado Front Range, north of Nederland at the CU Mountain Research Station. But the results are generally applicable to, you know, subalpine forests in, in Colorado. Tell us about the connection between your findings in this study and the future of carbon sequestration. Forests are an important carbon sink. And what we show in this study is that the rates of tree mortality for larger and older trees are increasing much more rapidly than smaller and younger trees. And as we're seeing uh, an increase in mortality for these larger and older trees that store the most carbon, you know, this is sort of the alarm bell going off saying like, hey, we might be seeing some pretty, you know, important changes in our subalpine forests and their ability to serve as a carbon sink in the future. And what do you think the response to this study should be? Yeah, I think that, you know, the important message here is that, you know, climate change is having an important effect on our forests uh, in the Southern Rockies. And um, people often point to things like sea level rise as the most obvious, you know, effect of climate change. But, you know, we're seeing more fires, maybe potentially larger fires, uh, you know, broad scale outbreaks from bark beetles and all these sort of things, you know, illustrating that climate change is having a really important effect on forests. And in this study, we show that even outside of those disturbances, we're seeing um, really important effects of climate change. So yeah, we just need to be aware that that's that's happening and we need to you know change our behavior so that we can potentially reduce the impacts of climate change and adapt to those uh, changes. And that was Robbie Andrus, a postdoctoral researcher in forest ecology at Washington State University and author of a new study showing increasing rates of subalpine tree mortality in Colorado linked to warmer and drier climates. For KGNU, I'm Hanalee Myers. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for patchy smoke tonight with mostly clear skies and a low around 50 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with areas of smoke and a high around 70 degrees with a low around 50. Sunday, expect sunny skies with a high in the mid-70s. Sunday night calls for clear skies with a low around 50. This has been the news for Friday, August 6th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, personal commentaries.
Dude, something crazy happened when I was climbing Snuffles last weekend. I saw search and rescue evacuate a guy who fell off a boulder and got stuck on the mountain overnight. That's so scary. Did they have to airlift him out? Yeah, they did. It must have been so expensive. Yeah, especially if you don't have health insurance. That's a big issue around here. Totally, and Tri-County Health Network wants to help. If you fill out our health survey, we can use that information to figure out what services our community needs. How can I find that survey? Go to tchnetwork.org backslash health dash survey to fill it out online or find TCH Network staff members at local farmers markets to fill it out in person. You'll even get a $5 gift card for completing it. That's awesome. I have a few things to get off my chest, so I'll go fill it out today. I'd like to invite you to the first annual Amplify Adaptive event to raise awareness and dollars for Telluride Adaptive Sports Program. The first annual Amplify Adaptive event will be Wednesday, August 25th from 5 to 9 p.m., featuring live music from Lavalanche, a local favorite. Admission will be by donation, whatever you're inspired to give, with 100% of the door going to Telluride Adaptive Sports Program. The pandemic has limited recent fundraising, so it's time to amplify adaptive. Suggested minimum donation at the door of $5. Bar sales will benefit the Telluride Arts District. This event is being brought to you by Nova Home Loans and Land Title. This is Koto FM's Jimmy Jazz to celebrate the 2021 Telluride Jazz Festival, which is August 13th through the 15th. I'm here with Ben Jaffe, the leader and bass player with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Okay, good morning, Ben. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend a few minutes with me. It's very much appreciated. So, uh, Good to be here with you. Yeah. Well, you've you've come out of the pandemic with a bang. You played the Tipitinas in May and June. You reopened the Preservation Hall. Now you've begun touring, and you'll be joining us here in Telluride in just a couple of weeks. After more than a year off, what's it like for the band to be performing in front of live audiences again? Uh, you know, we've taken a year and a half off from doing doing what we've spent our lifetime uh, you know, spending our lifetime doing it. So it's, um, it's a process, you know, and I'll tell you when, when you yeah. get up there and you actually are making music for people and you're in the presence of people and you're, uh, with a band and you're having a fellowship with the band members, I think that that's a, a very, uh, sacred experience and, uh, something that we, yeah. we, we, uh, we, that, that, that feeds our, you know, feeds our souls. It really does. It nourishes us. So, um, you know, getting a chance to come back to Telluride to play music in such a, a beautiful setting is uh, very important to us. Yeah, well, we love you here, that's for sure.
Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.